Welcome to the Perceptions Today podcast, where we discuss consciousness in all forms. January 2023, episode 38, with Anthony Peake in a roundtable, part three of four. He is a writer who deals with the borderline areas of human consciousness. Participants knew it was being recorded. I am your host, Paul, and your co-host, RN Voot. And if you're seeing us in the future, I'm looking at icons, and he is there, which is good. Would you like to say hello, RN Voot? Do you want to come off mute, Richard? Hello. There we go. Sorry, I apologise. No, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I've got uh, obviously a couple of questions lined up as well. Um, there's hands raised. So what we also find is that we have live events coming up in 2022. You got January the 6th, Stephanie Quick on Synchronicity, who's in the room, and also January the 13th, you got Eli Myers talking about Kundalini energy and her life. And then you have RNV on March the 1st in 2022 talking about his books. Again, one of them will be Spirit in the Sky, talking about DMT and also brain structures. As you know, Anthony's books deal with consciousness in all forms, and he backs up all his research with scientific publications where he's got the information from. He's written 11 books. The 12th one is going to be published in 2022 in June. He's sold over 110,000 books worldwide. Most of them in international languages are spoken around the world as a guest on podcasts and also being on other stages around the world. It's my great pleasure to introduce Anthony Peake. As we got broken up, there was the question from Cresta DeMaio talking about lucid dreaming and getting it back on track with that question. If you could go back to that answer because the audio decided to disappear when you're explaining that. Hi, Krista. In terms of lucid dreaming, this is something that has intrigued me for many, many years. And indeed, I've had a couple of experiences of lucid dream in the past, um, both of which really shocked and surprised me. And it seems to me that um, lucid dreaming is very much strong evidence that there's an alternate reality that we can access during dreams. The question is, what is the nature of this reality? And more importantly, what is the nature of the entities we encounter when we're there? Um, I discuss lucid dreaming fairly extensively in my book, The Out-of-Body Experience, um, which if you can check out, you might find some interesting points. I I also have a number of friends who are very adept to lucid dreamers. Uh, um, Maybe one day we can invite one or two of them along to this discussion, which is good. That's an excellent answer. Also, I forgot to say to people, if you want to raise your hand so that we don't over-talk each other with the icon which is there, you'll actually told me. Also got a message from Estevelle, which is that uh, Twitter spaces are now up and running. But uh, we'll stay here for the time being. RN Voot, please step forward. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Anthony, as well. I'm, I'm glad you opened regarding uh, the conversation talking about Greek mythologies. Um, and it's that particular angle that I'd like to sort of come up with. Yeah, just a kind of a short question, really. Um, but I'll give you a little, a little bit of background behind it. As you know, um, my book is DMT, Deities, Myth and Tryptamines, which I like to think uncovers an archaic appreciation for a biomechanically correct blueprint of the human brain and possibly beyond. Um, my question regarding the Greek mythologies would be, have you come across any particular mythologies um, in the ancient literature that might be likened to the production of DMT in the brain or indeed the DMT experience itself. Um, the reason I ask this is because it kind of touches on the earlier conversation when you mentioned that DMT had been confirmed within the brains of rats um, and the pineal gland. Um, we also know that the same enzymes needed for biosynthesis of um, DMT was also found in the hippocampus within the same research paper. Now, some background to the hippocampus, as you know, it's responsible for higher brain functions such as memory recall. 
the hippocampus we find is um, ancient Greek for seahorse because it obviously looks um, a lot like the sea-dwelling creature itself, but it's also described as a white eminence. But back to the Greek mythology, and in particular the myth of Pegasus, we find that Pegasus is a white horse whose father was Poseidon, god of the sea, and horses, no less. Um, and Pegasus, we find, was actually favoured by Nemesine, the goddess of memory, um, after it was reported that his, his hoof was he baited, yeah, Pegasus's hoof kicked open the fountain of Hippocrene, causing its waters, albeit memories or even DMT therein to flow. Um, but there's a kicker that comes along with this, quite literally, because it's part of the hippocampus that's actually called the Pest Hippocampus, which translates as the creature's paw. And for good reason, too, because that part of the hippocampus actually looks like a horse's hoof. Um, so back to my original line of questioning um, Have you come across any? Greek mythologies um, that could be likened to the production of DMC in the brain or indeed the DMC experience itself. Your points on ancient beliefs uh, on regarding DMT are absolutely fascinating and your particular your observations about Pegasus um, and the role of the, um, the goddess of memory within ancient Greek belief systems and the relationship between white horse and hippocampus and everything is truly interesting. And I really need to know more about that. I personally have not come across any of those areas, but it's not an area I really followed up on. Um, and it's something I will be in the future. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, it'd be good for a round table very much. discussion. No, I look forward to Again, it. Thank you very much. Can I just ask you, Richard, are you far away from your speaker or not? You're a little quiet... I'm going to ask Anthony Well, is he quiet for you as well? Okay. Why is it the host always has the issues with listening to people? Always away. <laughs> well, at least we survived in this room for a while, which is great. So if anybody else wants to raise their hand to ask a question, we're quite happy with that. This silence is because, ah, excellent. Terry Hawkins, if you would like to step forward. Oh, thank, thank you, Anthony. I'm so sorry I missed it. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, living in California, a little bit of a time difference. Um, Thank you so much. I hope it's okay if I just move the conversation to a slightly different area. So obviously I met you after reading your amazing books and, oh, there's two parts to my question actually. One part would be, you know, when we look at the daemon and is there life after death and how we have premonition or not, well, premonitions and deja vu and so forth. How much of that is also linked to the reticular activation system? So how much are we, you know, how we might, I told you a story recently and, and it's like, oh my God. And then there was this and then there was, that, and then I saw that and then I saw that. And the romantic notion that it was all serendipitous or whatever word you want to use. Um, or was it that my unconscious mind was just directing me there because I already had it in my brain? Your point on the reticular activation system and the daemon is indeed a really interesting one. Um, I'm aware of the reticular activation system, and I know that it is something that seems to, um, what, sort of filter the information for us um, before we take actions. You know, it seems to take out um, the, the our ability to sort of think about something before we do it. And in many ways, that is very intriguing because it suggests that maybe that is a role whereby we can in some way communicate directly with the daemon. 
because the daemon could activate itself through there. Now, I've argued that the daemon really exists within the non-dominant hemisphere of the brain and probably more specifically the uh, temporal lobes. But of course, underneath the temporal lobes, you know, sits the reticulous, uh, reticular system. So there could be a direct link here. And I think that's something, an area we could really look into. Oh, yes, I've read you. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Can I interject? Because this will, uh, again, if people don't know me, we've got this agreement that being the host, I can actually just come in and point <laughs> information out. Now, we've got Stephanie Quick, who's been researching synchronicities for over 20 years. And obviously, Terry, I haven't met yourself. I don't mind if, do you mind being called Terry or did we like your full name mentioned? My name's Paul, by the way. You can call me anything you like. Just don't call me late for dinner. Good, good move. So Stephanie Quick has got 20 years experience of looking into synchronicities and got a very good blog. Got to get in the right way around. Ghost Dog is a mystery box. Isn't that right, Stephanie? Yes, it is. And that's a little bit of a sink there because that's what I always say when people ask me what uh, I, I would like to be called. <laughs> call me anything you want. Just don't call me late to dinner. <laughs> so Stephanie's going to be with us on the 6th of January uh, talking about synchronicities. Maybe you want to be around for that or even contact her because of the connection points that you're just bringing up. And this is why I interjected that point. That's fantastic. I will definitely um, put that in the diary. I mean, I just, I had a big smile on my face when you were sharing that story. It was like a wow, you know, when you said the book title. So if we look at um, synchronicity and there's got to be a certain element, I believe, of um, self-awareness and trusting yourself enough to know um, or to even see it or to be present for it. The other end of intuition I feel just in my own life is paranoia. And I struggle with, you know, especially if it's, if it's, a, um, if it's a negative thing or, and I go, am I being intuitive here or am I being paranoid? Um, and I sort of wrestle with that a little bit. Is there a way that you um, can share with people on how to actually tap into the daemon more like apart from me going come on like you're there i know you are <laughs> mm. uh. it's interesting about what you say about hypnotism sorry for butting in on this one but they're actually thinking that sometimes when people are having experiences or thinking they're remembering them they might be actually creating them at the time of the questions being asked within the hypnotic state so that again you've had the story which you tell of the person dreaming of the guillotine and it turns out to be the picture hitting the back of the bedstand and causing that in a fraction of a second. So there's a lot of debate on hypnotism that you don't lead the person that you're actually talking to, which is um, a difficult thing because it's such a suggestive thing. And again, Terry and everybody else in the actual chat, I've put two links, one for Stephanie Quick's trailer where she explains all about herself and all about her passions and the times of what's going on. And again, if you've not heard about the people that are interactive with our community, I've put in there from a drop to an ocean, which is basically meaning as researchers, we're gathered together and help each other and push forward instead of standing alone. And again, you've got Aaron Voot, who's in here, who's an author. And you've also got, obviously, Krista, who is a lucid dreamer, Anthony. And also you've got Estevelle, who's a very good skeptic. And also just seeing Tamara is also very knowledgeable on the medical side of things, as well as Paranormal Blip on podcasts. Again, my public service announcement is now done. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. I'm just going to check with Estevel. Did you want to raise your hand to answer a question, or were you just putting a thumbs up because of me talking about you? No. Um, can you hear me? We can hear you. Uh, okay, because this is a really crappy old microphone. Um, no, I was just uh, fiddling around with all the stuff on this Zoom thing. I'm not too familiar with this. Anyway. Neither am I. Carry on. Thanks. Hello, everyone. But Estevel is a great, great individual. He comes a lot, partakes as a co-host, really loves to get down deep into mysteries. Don't you, Estevel? Uh, well, you know, I'm just curious. Um, I have to say some of the things I hear Anthony Peake mention are a bit, uh, you know, they're like over my head because I'm not familiar with all the concepts. And so I'm basically the noob in the room. But that's fine. They're all good jumping off points so that you can go and find information elsewhere, which is great. And also, Angel has a question. Oh, Terry, I think you got your hand stuck up, unless you want to ask another question. Yeah, I've, I've left it up there. I'll go after Angel. Thanks. Okay. Can you hear me well? Yes, you're a little muted. Okay, well, I'm testing out a new headset, so can you hear me enough? No, it sounds like you got a pillow over the microphone, unfortunately. Okay. Can you hear me now? Oh, that's much better. Okay. I have a um, rather strange question. Have you ever heard of people possibly having, so like hypnotism, usually there's like a word that can be said, for instance, and it'll like awaken someone or it'll slowly start to awaken them. Is there a possibility that that could happen? Like a word could trigger an awakening to like your records that you hold within you or like a past life or something like that. Question about um, hypnotism using words to trigger things. Mm, intriguing. I wonder whether this is something that we've come across in fictional fictional uh, novels or else in, in movies and things, because I've never heard of anything properly true, but I know that there are various movies that have used this theme. I think The Day of the Jackal used it, the idea that there's a trigger word or a trigger set of circumstances that can be placed in somebody's brain that can trigger them to take actions many years later when they hear this word. Um, if that is true, again, the mechanism by which that is happening is quite intriguing. And your point about synchronicity, um, receiving synchronicity for weeks on end. Now, it's quite important to be aware of this as to what is taking place, because there is a known effect called um, attention bias or confirmation bias. And a friend of mine who is an NLP trainer pointed this out to me many years ago when he said, I can I can show you how this works. And what he did was he turned around to me and he said that kangaroos, he said, now that I've mentioned kangaroos, I guarantee that in the next few days you will see kangaroos or you'll read about kangaroos or you'll see kangaroos somewhere on a TV program or whatever. And of course, what that triggers in your mind is that your attention is looking for coincidences. It's looking for something. It's looking for synchronicities. And I believe once we become attuned, when we have a series of coincidences, we start then looking for the synchronicities and we find them everywhere because we are animals that are, that are looking for patterns, looking for symbolism. So we're going to see them everywhere. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that synchronicity is incorrect because I believe it is something. But if we are thinking that we are getting it for weeks on end, this is what is taking place. So I wouldn't worry about it. It's not the brain misfiring. It's not a mental illness. It literally is just you're becoming more attuned and looking for things. Uh, in, in my impression, anyway, if that answers your question. 
It's also very quantum as well. Smell is quantum. It's strange. Mm. I love that. And also, um, with that, we had a... Sorry, Angel. I was just going to say that we had a good conversation a few weeks back of talking Michael Talbert's holographic universe and going through the whole bit of Jeffrey Mishlove's New Thinking Aloud half hour and then the hour kind of version that he had on YouTube from 1992. And that was fascinating when we were going through all the bits that you were just discussing. If not. The angels. Um, I kind of. I thought Angel was going to say something. I was going to say. Sorry, you've gone back to a pillow again. Hang on. What the heck? I'm still on the same. I'm just on my phone. Can you hear me well? Stand still. That's probably the best thing. (laughs) Okay, I'm still now. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's very clear. Thank you. Um, so if you wanted to, like, dig into what happens if you have some kind of awakening that starts happening and all these synchronicities, is it normal for, like, synchronicities or whatever you would like to call them to continue happening for weeks on end throughout each and every single day? Is there something trying to happen in your brain? Is there something misfiring? Are you having like a mental illness? I mean, you're not ill, but is that normal? Or does that mean that there's some kind of awakening trying to take place? And is there a certain age that that can happen in because I know there's a certain age I don't know what it is but I've heard it through like studying psychology there's a certain age like when the brain is like more developed and I know like studying in um like religion there's some religions that believe people started receiving like their calling from gods or something by a certain age is all that like tied in together and it's the same thing? Hang on, have we lost audio? Hang on, Anthony, I think we lost your audio for us about 20 seconds or less. I just want to check to see if we've got other people that we can hear. Terry, can we hear you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear Anthony drop out or is it just... Yeah, just for a couple of seconds, yeah. Ah, good. Normally it seems to be just affecting me as a host, but I thought it, I'd stop everyone and get, make sure we don't lose any good information. Mm. And lucky enough, this community is not really silo thinking. There's enough diversity that come in and they feel it comfortable enough to put opposing positions and arguments of different theories without actually getting to argumentative states, which is great because it's just another way to think later on. Maybe parts of both sides could be correct or lead you to another answer, which is you wouldn't have found unless you had that kind of, not confrontation, but stimulation of the mind to go forward so um can i just jump in i've worn a mohair jumper and it's not the exact best thing to wear if you don't have a coughing fit um so i'll try to get this is is it okay if i ask another question okay so um i mean i just love listening to you anthony and so i love that you know it's not just the questions it's the question behind the questions and the best thing that i've learned about being on this journey for a number of years is it is an endless hole, you know, and it gets more exciting as you get into the hole, but the hole you realize just is never ending. Um, but what I do find is that, you know, and if we use just the basic terms of 5% conscious awareness, 95% unconscious awareness, and that's what we tap into when we do hypnotherapy, is that what you're allowing through this daemon introduction or awareness is bringing that, I think, 
much closer to like we're opening up that consciousness into the unconscious. We're making the unknown known. And so, you know, my work that I do um, and I see a much, uh, a mass younger generation growing up and probably. Can I just pause you, Terry? Yeah. And allow you to plug yourself because not many people probably know who you are. I mean, myself, I don't know who you are. I don't even know who I am, Paul. Um, Well, (laughs) we can go on that journey together then. (laughs) I um, plug yourself. I'm so sorry. So I'm an education architect and I um, have spent 35 years developing um, education systems that incorporate um, intellect, philosophy and process um, into I synthesize it in such a way that it gets quite phenomenal results for my clients. So I have, I was very fortunate as a young person to fall into um, a, a Japanese training company who were doing personal growth at a time when it was, you know, you're a psychopath and had to go and buy, you know, your books in an, a dark alley in a brown paper bag. Um, so I am very passionate about that, but I'm also um, an author and, um, and I was uh, quite a, um, renowned speaker in Australia before I moved over here. But I'm actually writing a book right now around the last three decades and watching an entire generation grow up. And I've identified 18 markers that have just been perfect in perfect alignment for us to have a generation. So I'm doing it from uh, 1990 forward. And so it, and then I do the seven-year cycles. And so I've placed into the seven-year cycles as well. And every seven-year cycle from 1990, we just compounded this unbelievable perfect storm for these kids who grew up in an era where both parents were working um, gaming, you know, most kids got their first Game Boy. Uh, And then, of course, we had the the introduction of Facebook, you know, you know, go on and on. And now we have this epidemic of, you know, kids living with, and I train and I have a team of trainers that stand in front of hundreds of thousands of people um, who have, anxiety, depression. And so and it's funny, thank you so much, Paul, because this is leading to what I was going to ask Anthony. So we have this mass population who are now about to have their own children who really, I don't believe, have the neural nets of empathy. And empathy is the deep, that's the connection piece, the emotional intuitive empathy is the piece that connects us to ourselves and to others. Um, and there's no greater excitement or rush. So they are. So we're externalizing now. We're we're going into gaming. We're going into we're going outside of ourselves to get our rush of life. And I believe what you're doing with this, Damon, is you are igniting the thrill internally. And I think I said this the other day, where it's almost like a dopamine wall. So you've got the metaverse, and you've got this massive. Um, exponential growth towards virtual reality and all of this, you know, we've got people buying virtual, it's just ridiculous to me. There's a place for it. But on the other side, there's nothing to balance it. And I'm doing my work in that. But I believe what you're doing is once you start to, I see it every day, you start to tap into someone's internal introduction to themselves at a deeper level. And I've never seen anything more exhilarating for that human being. And I think that's, uh, a massive opportunity. So that was my first half of my question. The second half was I would love to know what you do from a, how you quantify, um, you know, in your other role. So I think the two are very closely aligned. Your question about uh, the IT metaverse, uh, really, really interesting. An interesting point on that one. Sorry to butt in. 
But if we're talking about kind of synchronicities and empathy, just very quickly, I never thought of taking the project that we have now from just the normal Twitter dumping of information for other people so they could easily find it. But we had people like Aaron Voot, Stephanie Quick and others, they were all talking to me saying, why don't you take it further and go into a podcast? The Twitter space turned up and then people turned up. They started to form a community with researching, empathy, interconnection, making it even better. And they're turning up for over four to five hours at a time, all wanting to talk. And it's not one person standing on a soapbox doing it. They're all quite happy to interact with each other. And this has been happening since the end of September. And we've had over 15 sessions, plus obviously guest appearances from yourself, Anthony, and others. And it's amazing to see there are people out there who have got the empathy bit. Obviously, Terry is talking about there's quite a lot more people that have not grown up with the empathy or doing it. But there's a lot more people searching to try and find out what's going on with themselves as well as the strange events they've experienced on the outside. So the synchronicities of bumping into everybody else organically, like we are doing now, is just fascinating to me and the rest of us, I feel. <laughs> and I, you know what, Anthony, and I don't want to dominate the conversation either, but I, <clears throat> I, you know, I called you the lighthouse and I think... And your point of calling me the lighthouse, I really love that. Thank you very much. That is very much the case because when I read your book, um, and I I think everyone on this call would be very well read and experienced and so forth, Um, because empathy, like, you know, not to sprout my own thing, but I I was one of the pioneers of empathy in Australia 35 years ago and suffered great abuse, Um, was called a Scientologist. I had people throw books at me, um, you know, thinking that I was this, like, you know, witch and so and it was this basic empathy, and I'm talking cognitive empathy, and, I, and the world is still sitting at cognitive empathy because in all of my research, and the journey of the soul has always been to find itself, hasn't it, like from the beginning of time. And now I've, I have never felt alone. It's, I've always done, you know, because I did Pitman, Flipman and the voice inside of her head, but since you introduced me to the daemon, I've never felt alone. I felt like I've got my little soldier, my little man, my little whatever you want to call it, I've got, and it's a him for me, I've got him right there beside me and I feel safe, I feel guided, um, I, I'm, I, I'm so exhilarated by the future. So when I, I did an empathy circle because I realised that in order to have true empathy, you have to go through the dark night of the soul and most people actually won't enter that. I called it Pandora's box um, because we love to do the superficial level of pretending that we know what it feels like, but you have to actually drop into the ancient parts of the, dra- the brain, you know, the amygdala, the hippocampus, the, you know, that's why I have all these people going, I'm an empath. And I go, no, you're not, you're a sympath because, you know, our, our role is to, it's very difficult to hold the space of another human being without bias. And, but when someone hands you their story or their reality of you, and then to try that on for size, you literally, and maybe, you know, it's the reticular activation system opens up. It may be our daemon. It may be, well, you really wanted to see what other people's experience of you is. Here it is. And it's like a hailstorm. Um, and it's that walking through that, I believe, that then takes you to a whole new level of a universal understanding. And, you know, when we get there, that's where healing begins. But I believe you found a very simple, easy door for people who have been on this crazy quest of 10 years in therapy or whatever it might be 
to find themselves when in actual fact it was just sitting there all the time. Um, and also your analogy of calling your daemon your little soldier. Um, and I think that is so good that if we're aware of our little soldier all the time, we're in a position whereby um, we can probably be more attuned to the world around us and listen to those hidden messages and those hidden meanings that we find. I would definitely agree with that. I've had too many coincidences to not realise now what to listen for in what goes on when things kind of turn my stomach. That's the thing that I kind of need to do. And it's really strange. Or, for example, within the community, there'll be times when I think I actually need to talk to this person directly that's communicating and pass me information. And when you make that connection, as you said, it's like, you know, they are the right people to talk to. For example, in this room, there's like RN Voot and also Stephanie Quick and also Greybeard, along with a load of other people. But they just bring so much information and Angel. And it's, it's bananas how we've all connected up without actually going out looking for people. It's bananas. I know it's weird. Uh, RN Voot has a question. He's just put his hand up. No, I was just going to state that it's only since I've been um, starting this kind of writing career, I guess, I'm writing my fourth book now, but since I've been doing this, the synchronicities almost go hand in hand with the writing. It's crazy. I mean, I've literally been slapped in the face so many times with answers that were staring me in the face somewhat, but I'm looking, I've been looking for kind of um, looking to tick boxes to, to, to make sure I'm heading down the right kind of avenue of inquiry, as it were. But then I'd get a certain synchronicity, excuse me, synchronicity that would happen. Um, and it, it absolutely, I mean, it literally renders a, a writer speechless, you know, sometimes. It, it, it's crazy. Um, the synchronicity, just, I was just talking about me and you hooking up, Paul. Um, just very short anecdotally, we we were going to meet each other at Graham Hancock um, talk in London a couple of years ago before the the, the outbreak. Um, I was late for late for excuse me for the kickoff of the for meeting my dad down there. My dad said that he was talking to someone in the queue, getting on like a house on fire. Um, I'm obviously texting you saying I'm going to be late X Y Z. Lo and behold, when I turn up, you guys are actually standing there talking to each other at the bottom of the stairs. It's, it's crazy. That was wild because there was over 300 people. <laughs> uh, you couldn't make, yeah, you couldn't make it up. Sorry, French. I mean, I'm actually penning a chapter at the moment uh, regarding ancient mythologies. Um, and in particular, um, the chapter that I'm writing is to do with a mythological rainbow bridge. Um, and again, I was a little hesitant if I was heading down the right track for, for confirmation of what I was actually trying to uncover. Um, and, and, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I reading too much into this? And as I'm having that thought, um, a text message goes off. I open it up. It's my dad. He said, oh, I'm, um, what are you up to? Um, I said, I'm writing. I'll get back to you a little bit later. He said, okay, no problem. He said, I'm just uh, just listening to um, one of my new vinyls. I said, oh, what are you listening to? He said, Jimi Hendrix. And I said, oh, fantastic. What are you listening? What one are you listening to? Rainbow Bridge. Unbelievable. You also know Prince has got an album with that called Rainbow Bridge as well. Your, your comment about uh, Rainbow Bridge is quite, quite interesting. Um, and in terms of, of how the library angel works, and I've had in my life many, many examples of needing books and suddenly they are there, or even more importantly, that a synchronicity happens and it's rooted 
you know, and like the synchronicities maybe that Angel was talking about earlier, these rooted ones that, and of course, this is exactly what Camera said when he came up with his original definition of synchronicity. And of course, Carl Gustav Jung and Volkai Pauli, and the idea that it is a significant they are significance. And I found in many ways that you find the Joker there as well. Which is- it's just phenomenal. Stephanie knows a lot about that because of her passion for synchronicity. She's got so many under her belt that she can tell people, haven't you, Stephanie? Uh, yes, yes. I um, I have to say I'm listening while I'm I, I doing stuff around the house here. But um, yeah, I mean, the, these are the type of things that kind of uh, open your whole worldview and your consciousness. <laughs> we're all hum together while you disappear. Nice no, definitely will actually go into a breakdown. Yeah, well, to me, let's see. One of the things that strikes me most about synchronicities and that I find really interesting is that, of course, um, the classic definition is a meaningful coincidence, and it gets to the aspect of meaning, and that is the thing that uh, tends to strike people about synchronicities. When you see, for example, a uh, something you had been thinking about personally a lot strongly that is suddenly uh, out there in the world um or you know it hasn't oh oh wow that was a short uh minute and a half (laughs) time does go quickly and slowly when we get together (laughs) yes well i was just i was just saying that the whole uh to me what's fascinating about synchronicity in terms of like the paranormal or consciousness is that it really highlights the dimension of meaning Um, You know, we're meaning-based creatures, and when you notice the synchronicity, it's because you see that there is a consonance of meaning that's coming out in ways that shouldn't be expected, where they highlight a certain person or emotion, something you're thinking about, that opens up a door to you. Um, As far as uh, like the library angel, right, you want to find a book and then suddenly, you know, circumstances come together. Actually, certain people have reported they'll be actually be like in a bookstore or the library and the book will fall off that they're looking for will actually fall off the shelf. Um, Yeah, so for me... Uh, Stephanie Quick, yeah, Stephanie, um, your concept, your your question about how we tap into the daemon is something I've long been interested in. Um, and um, I have long wanted to write a book on this because I think there's an awful lot of work that can be done here. I think some of the avenues are interesting, such as deep hypnotism, whereby it has been discovered that if we go to certain levels of hypnotism and depth of of, um, trance state, we encounter or the hypnotist himself encounters within the subject another entity that has greater knowledge. And again, I think that is communicating with the daemon. But there might be easier ways of doing this. Um, I mean, there's there's a guy called Schaefer, who is an American-based psychiatrist, who around about 15 years ago wrote an amazing book about about dual consciousness. And he argued that he had found ways of communicating with the non-dominant personality. And the way he did it was quite interesting he took um a welder's helmet and well as a bit of an explanation um in order to have um binocular vision um both hemispheres of the brain are fed by one side of each eye and the other side of the brain is fed by the other side of each eye which means that we have stereo vision or both sides have stereo vision but what schaefer discovered was that if you put if you put um if you black out this that side of the eye vision for each side 
you can effectively put that side of the brain to sleep. And what he did was he had a welder's helmet or or a welder's mask, and he just literally put black tape over one periphery side of both of the eyes. And he found he was able to communicate with another being that inhabited the, the, the human brain. Now, this could be intriguing because if we could manage to put the dominant hemisphere to sleep, it would mean that we could not only communicate but we could also test it because I'm a qualified psychometrician and I, I use psychometric testing or I used to use psychometric testing quite a lot. So if we did a personality test of somebody whose dominant hemisphere had effectively been put to sleep, we might end up with a very, very different personality profile from if we do it when they're awake, when the Edelon is dominant. And we could end up with two conflicting or two different profiles, which could then help us give a much more three-dimensional understanding of somebody's psychology. Now, on top of this, there is something else called the WADA test. And the WADA test is sodium amytol is, um, is, is, is injected into the carotid artery in the, brain, in, the, in the neck. And that deadens the dominant hemisphere for a period of time. And indeed, I know a couple of people who've had this done to them. And they have both told me that when this happens, they felt that, that there was somebody else in their brain. There was another consciousness that was more all-knowing and more effective than they were. So again, this is a way forward. So yes, how can we do it? There are various ways. And I'm hoping I'll be doing an event this summer in California, and I'm hoping that one of my workshops will involve how do we contact the daemon? And I'm working on this presentation at the moment. So Stephanie, thanks for that question. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, all the, uh, the physical aspects of chemistry or physics or, or all that type of stuff is, is fascinating as well. But um, when it comes down to it, it's like, what is the meaning of it for us as human beings? And like you were talking about with the daemon, the daemon is, um, has uh, certain ideas that are meaningful about what you should be doing with your life. Like what's your life about? What do, what do these ideas mean to you? How do you express these ideas in your daily life? Um, and so for me, that's just the one of the, the part of synchronicity that I find so fascinating, even when it doesn't seem to have any kind of like, some of them seem, well, like if the, if the book falls off the shelf, that seems PK related, right? But other ones don't really seem to have any kind of necessarily uh, uh, psi or psychic paranormal aspect to them, but still they are very intense experiences because of the meaning dimension. So, And that's the reason why I've, I kind of boiled it down and probably either stole it from somebody else or found it, but just using the idea that we're going from a drop to an ocean that we all get together and we find these things as we go along because it just blows your mind when you start doing it. I mean, for example, Pete in Paranormal Blip, if he's got the opportunity to talk, will tell you about just the strange coincidences and how it's helped him as well as helped us when we all get together and have these live conversations in Twitter space and talk to people. And it is very much a marathon rather than a sprint. And I think that's the best way it's going because the quality of people that are coming in are all very genuine. They're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes that I can see. And the information is just fantastic. Oh, definitely. We've got two questions here from Angel and also Paranormal Blip, if you want to take those. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Hang on, hang on. Paranormal blip. Oh, oh, oh. Hand up first. Sorry, Let's sorry. Get this in order. <laughs> I was going to say thank paranormal you. could go first because I haven't heard them speak in a while. If they want to. Okay. Thank okay, you very much. Thank you. thank you very much, Angel. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much, Anthony, 
Thank you very much, Anthony. I've been really enjoying it. And the, um, are you calling them archons? The gremlins have kind of got to my equipment too, as everyone and Twitter and everything else. So it's kind of falling about a little bit today. But I've, you know, I, I get, uh, get an awful lot from listening to you, Anthony. So thank you for joining us or for me joining this, the, uh, the Zoom here. Um, one thing that I find really interesting, your um, idea of cheating the ferryman, and I read your paper and I got a lot out of it, but I've got a question because my folks, okay, first of all, on synchronicity, I did an episode of my podcast on synchronicity, which is really interesting um, area. And today in uh, Secret Santa, I was given a um, Christmas present by Santa, I suppose, maybe someone I work with, but probably by Santa on synchronicity, which is quite nice, or, or sorry, on coincidences. I think it's called Beyond Coincidence, the name of the book. Um, but yes, yeah, so my folks did a, a, wrote a book a long time ago now, about 30 years ago, on reincarnation. And in that, and I did a, a Twitter space a couple of weeks ago with Paul on it. And in that, there's a couple of um, rock solid, like from my point of view, rock solid reincarnation stories. You know, the evidence is, from my point of view, you know, kind of overwhelming that the children had lived before. Now, I want to, if I could ask you, Anthony, would, have you come across a reincarnation story that it convinces you that there's something in it that is kind of different to your um, theory? Or kind of what's the relationship between, if you like, the kind of classic reincarnation, you know, that, that kind of classic cycle, if you like, and where you sit in your theory, cheating the ferryman? I'm not sure if you could talk about that for a bit, please, Anthony. Um, paranormal blip, um, your point about um, reincarnation. Yes, there is some interesting evidence about the reincarnation stories of young children, as if the nearer they are to their birthday, more that they are can attune to their previous lives. However, I would counter that and say there is a counter argument. And the counter argument is that these children are more aware and more attuned of their DNA memory in that they are remembering information or they're downloading information in the similar way to when we download when we're using a radio and we're going through the various way uh, the wave bands and we pick up different channels and i think that's what's probably taking place so the child is remembering um putting together as in the word remembering as opposed to dismembering putting something together again information from somewhere else but it doesn't necessarily mean that that child is a, re a reincarnation of that personality. What the child is doing, it's remembering, it's acquiring or um, gaining information from somebody else's life. Because I argue that there is um, something I call the um, the Uberdaemon. And the Uberdaemon is the equivalent of the collective unconscious of um, Gustav Jung. The idea that there is a, a greater us that is the collection of all of us. And that carries on through DNA memory or it carries on through general memories that we can acquire. And I think this particularly happens with young children. And indeed, it happens with people when they are hypnotized and when they're hypnotized, because hypnotic, when you're a person that is susceptible to hypnotic, hypnotic suggestion and trance states, you are wanting to accommodate what the person is looking for, what the hypnotist wants. And if you go to see a hypnotic regressionist, you will try and fulfill exactly that. So you will you will go into a light hypnotic state and you will tune into 
for want of a better term, the Akashic field or the Akashic record, and you will draw up the information that is needed. So yet again, you are drawing up very accurate information about somebody's previous life, but it's not yours. It's not evidence of reincarnation. It's evidence of something far more interesting that we are, we exist within an information field. And at a greater level, we are just one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. And I think that is one of the main points. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you really did answer my question. Thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Um, two thoughts, not because I know time is short, you don't necessarily need to come back to this, but two thoughts that spring to mind, the Akashic, the Akashic field. I totally understand that that is a, you know, that, that fits into my understanding of reincarnation really well. And also you probably know, uh, I think it might be Jim Carter, uh, Jim Tucker, sorry, the um, Division of Perceptual Studies, his, um, where, where reincarnation cases, the people look like each other, which is quite interesting, like a very kind of familiar facial, you know, basically the same person, kind of reborn, essentially. Your other point about the work of Jim Tucker is, again, intriguing. Yes, Tucker has, has done some quite interesting work in terms of young children, and also your point about the young children looking like um, other people that they claim to be reincarnated from. Again, we've got to sort of put Occam's razor to this a little bit. You know, either there is maybe the simpler answer could be that, again, it's DNA memory. And if it's DNA memory, it's not at all surprising that people will look alike because they are attuning into people who are similar to them and carry similar DNA to them uh, because there is argument and there's more evidence that DNA can carry information. DNA doesn't just carry information in terms of instructions. It also carries information as a recording of information. And there are scientists at the moment working on DNA and using it to record like super CDs. So again, there's something more going on than that. Also, in terms of the work of Jim Tucker, I would also put a caveat on there. You know, some of his work is not quite as believable as it first sounds, like the famous case of the young boy who I remember being a fighter pilot in the Second World War and being shot down by the Japanese at the Battle of Midway. That is not quite as accurate as it seems. There is um, an associate of mine who I interviewed on my, on my Consciousness Hour a few months ago who has done work on this, and he's looked at this specific case. And when you really start looking at it, it falls apart. You know, there is evidence that the young boy had had access to that information and that the, the father was exaggerating it, embroidering it, or whatever we like to see. Whether that's true or not is beside the point. But let's again just apply Occam's razor to these things. Let's not just jump to massive conclusions. So thank you so much, Anthony. I, I got a lot out of that too. So, you know, we could talk further, and I hope we do at some point, but I know time is short. So if you want to, you know, please respond, obviously. But if, if somebody else has got a question, then um, thank you for your time, Anthony. Because we do have two in the list. We got we do have Angel and also Terry's got a hand up as well. I'd also like to say hello to Eileen Meyer. She's just joined us as well, which is good. Okay, quick questions for from Angel. Is she still here or has she disappeared? If not, we'll go straight to Terry. And if she turns up, we'll go again. So, Terry, Anthony, I was just, just going to I find that all um, fascinating. And as you said, you know, there's the scientific evidence to back it up. My thing is I couldn't think of anything worse than coming back, every, and I'm not saying because, you know, this is nothing about the love that I have for the people in my life. I just feel like it would be Groundhog's Day over and over. And so what is the meaning then? Like, to me, it's the question of 
um, and this is just a hunch that I've got or whatever, um, that we, are, we, we have to break through or break out of whatever this is. I just think that we are in basically a prison on the planet and there's a much higher um, dimension, for want of a better word, um, for us to operate in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a quick one to add to that. One of our community called Ricardo, he actually found a document where his first draft of Groundhog Day was so dark with the way that it was going over in the period of time that it was taking to do things that the studio didn't want to do it in that manner and they had to change it into a comedy rather than that and edit it that way. Just going to quickly find out from you. I know time's short, but Greybeard's got his hand up and also Paranormal Blip again. I don't know if Terry's got another question after that, but I know everyone's going to be brief with their questions if you want to quickly get around there as they haven't had the opportunity to talk. Sorry, just to say that's a mistake, Paul. I should have taken my hand down. Two stars, Doc. To do that. (laughs) Press it again. It's got, that's okay. Greybeard, did you want to quickly jump in? Greybeard, can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? Try some more words, please. Can you hear me okay? I'm sorry. I I tried a new microphone. Can you hear me? We can hear you now. I'm sorry. You're through. Okay, the radio mic. Um, my, my question, uh, I may have missed this, so I apologize, uh, but I'd like to hear your relation to uh, the daemon and, and how it guides us and how we learn to communicate with it and how that relates to how, like how an ego death would relate to opening up that doorway. Comment about ego death. Very, very intriguing. Um, and of course, it would argue again, referencing my point before that we're one single consciousness experiencing itself subjectively, that effectively is our ego. We have a superego, which we exist within, which is again using Jungian terminology, but we have the everyday ego. But the everyday ego only lives one life, whereas the superego, which is the equivalent of my daemon, lives lives many times. So the, the ego is one life, lives one life and dies. Superego lives many, many lives and carries that information to help guide its lower self uh, through its life by using the information it's gleaned on previous lives. In fact, I would use the analogy that um, in the movie Groundhog Day, um, Connors is effectively a superego um, existing within an ego or a daemon existing within an edelonic body. And this is why he's able to guide himself because he remembers all the previous gay days. Basically, I think you'll find that everyone just evolves to try and help others. And that's where you'll go through the things where you've done it wrong. And that's where you're going to go forward. I think that works well with some people, because even if you come against someone you've never seen before and they're argumentative from the get go and you haven't even said anything to them, the people who have got the empathy will start going, well, what happened in their day that has caused them to be that way? It's not because what's happened, what you've done to them something's triggered them like someone's spilled coffee on them and they're kind of up wild about it but when they meet you they're angry etc that's what i feel with the community that's evolving around us and the people that we touch they have got so much empathy because when they come they're spending hours talking and sharing some of their deepest either medical or historical trauma or abuse and it and even when you tell them look this is being recorded they're still quite happy to actually give this and feel it's a safe space almost like a psychiatrist's room, but it's really weird because they really come and just feel that safety net. <laughs> You're amazing, Anthony. And thank you, Paul and everyone. It's been wonderful. No problem. What I'm going to do is quickly wrap up and say that if you are listening to this either on the Perceptions Today podcast or the Anthony Peak 
YouTube channel, which is if you go to that application and type in Anthony Peak, one word with the one on the end numerically, that um, we also got Aaron Voot in the house with his books, which you should go and look at Spirit in the Sky. Stephanie Quick with her work on synchronicity being Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box in the right order. She will be on our live Twitter space on January the 6th in 2022. We've also got Elaine Myers in the room, who will be on January the 13th of 2022 and obviously i forgot to mention that rn voot will be there on first of march in 2022 go look at paranormal blip also go see krista DeMeo on twitter because she is very good on lucid dreaming we have other people in the place which i'm just checking that i haven't missed anybody but the community is just amazing and if you want to listen to more about the people that are connected to our community in perceptions of the podcast if you select the episode from a drop to an ocean, you'll hear nine other people who are connected and we're all moving forward together. So I just can't say, it's just so grateful that you come and talk and that you spend the time with us. And Anthony probably will say the same. Okay, I've, I've got a great story, Paul, that um, happened at work. I hope you can hear me okay, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm on a bus. Yes. Hello, Angel. Angela. Um, yeah, so I hope you can hear me okay because I'm on a bus and I'm wearing a mask. Uh, so I was at work today and it was Santa and I don't know who got me the secret Santa. Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I don't know if you can hear me at all. Fabulous. How's your show getting on then, Pete? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, just about. Oh, fantastic. Okay, sorry about this. I'm in the um, Devon countryside, so it's not great. Uh, yeah, my show is really good. I'm going to do a Christmas special. My voice is a bit weird, but it's not COVID. It's just a cold. And I'm going to review a film for Christmas. I'm not too sure which one to review, but I've got a few lined up, you know, a few um, potentials. But anyway, back to this thing. So, so it was Secret Santa's Day at my work, and I work in a department with about 15 people, and somebody knows me very well. They've got me a book on uh, coincidences. This Hello there. I don't know if you can hear us, but uh, can't hear you. Yeah, you're saying look, Sorry, buddy. I'm looking forward to read and uh, pencil or something. Of course, it's just an anecdote. It sounds like a terrible reception there, Pete. We're only we're, we're not really getting the back end of what you're saying. Story, but there's a magnitude. I think he's going through a dark hole, dark hole right now. He's going into the fog. That's what's happening. Yeah, there's definitely some kind of glitch in a proverbial matrix today, for sure. I'm in an area that I call the trees with really bad um, signal. Can you hear me now, okay? Yeah, you came across loud and clear there, buddy. Oh, uh, really? Oh, brilliant. For me, anyway. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Well, I'll just quickly um, summarise my anecdotes, which is a secret centre today. I was given a book about coincidences which is really nice, you know, it's like not a kind of just general, it's not, it wasn't just chocolates, you know, somebody really thought about what kind of book I would like to get, 
And uh, so it's really nice, really touching. And it looks like a really good book. So I look forward to reading that. What's the title of the book? I'm not sure. It's in my bag and I'm on a bus. So it's kind of impossible to look at my bag. Yeah, I'll send you a picture. I put it on Twitter. That's a good idea. Yeah, fantastic. To help our research and understanding, leave Perceptions Today's podcast reviews, subscribe to the podcast, along with the other social media accounts and share. Come and join our live events. That way we can get together and have thoughtful discussions along with advancing our understanding of concepts as we go along.